Yes, we are, folks. We were the champions of the world, or at least for 11-11-11, we were. What's going on, everybody? How are you? This is Paul Verzi. This is the special edition TVE podcast episode number 39, the Carnegie Hall special episode. Um, which I had to give my fans after uh, one of the most incredible nights of um, of my career, uh, of my life. Uh, you know, I said it once and I'll say it again, other than the day that my son Lucas was born, this was the biggest, uh, most special day and the greatest uh, feeling that I've ever had in my life. Um, it was an, an incredible night and I'm going to take my... Uh, podcast my Verzi effect podcast listeners through it with details and let you guys know for you people that are listening that were there um you know you saw what happened in that room it was it was an unbelievable night it was something that me Joe DeRose and Bill Burr will take with us forever it was just an absolutely in- incredible moment and um you know I want to thank you all if, if if you were there if you weren't there um uh, sit back relax this is an exclusive uh, detailed you know, uh, description of the of the night, and uh, whether you're a fan of mine, uh, Bill Burr's, Joe DeRosa's, or all three, this was Bill Burr's night. Um, you know, boy, did he deliver! Boy, did we all deliver! Was it just an unbelievable night? And um, you know, uh, just you know, it it was one of those things where it was just leading up, leading up, and it had to, you know, it 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 just had to get here after a while because we knew about it for months. And it was really funny because the Carnegie Hall gig was this weird understanding without any of us saying anything, Joe DeRosa, Bill Burr, myself, whenever we would talk to each other, we just kind of didn't talk about it. And it was this understanding where we didn't even have to talk about not talking about it. We just all knew. We had this understanding. Yeah, like occasionally it would come up, but it would be like, yeah, that big gig we got next month. or yeah, the Carnegie. And then we would just go away. Um, we kind of didn't want to think about it. Uh, because of the magnitude of the show but you know it was always there and the hard part about it was you're always kind of you know thinking about it even with so many shows in front of you you know I had all these different shows local on the road and you know it's just coming you know it's just coming and 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 you know the, you try to keep it out of your head you know you're professional you got to look at it it's a it's another night it's just another show but there would be literally times where you know, I remember, you know, five weeks ago in October, I'm laying down and I rolled over in bed. I wake up and be like, man, maybe I should open with this that night. 
you know, that's how big, but you know, you just can't think of it like that. You got to put it aside and you got to be a professional and you got to just make sure that, uh, you know, you go there when the time is coming and, and you do what you need to do. So we, um, you know, we were working hard. We were all, you know, all talking and trying not to, you know, bring the show up. And, and the thing that was really hard was people would want to talk about it. Um, oh, you're going to be at Carnegie Hall. This is this is unbelievable. Oh, you're going to kill. It's going to be great. It's Carnegie Hall. It's Carnegie Hall. That's all everybody wanted, you know, to say about this. That's all anybody ever wanted to talk about. And, I, like, I couldn't. I didn't want to because, you know, I, I you know maybe superstition, but you don't even want to talk about it. You just want to make sure that you're ready when it's time and then when it's time to do it. But everybody wanted to talk about it, and it was, a, you know, a huge night. And we... Um, we fucking really uh, delivered something something special. Um, I I remember um, you know talking to uh, to Bill on the phone and and we would just be like, all right, we would never we wouldn't talk about it. And then it would say, all right, so yeah, I'll see you. Are you coming to New York tomorrow? Like we just knew the shit was going down. It, it felt like a build up to like a an HBO like twenty four seven like when they do the twenty four seven for a big fight on HBO, or, or it literally felt like the Super Bowl was coming, and um, this week in New York City was a ton of um, shows for the New York Comedy Festival, the the Beacon Theater was doing shows, Town Hall, Carnegie Hall, Caroline's on Broadway, uh, the Tribeca uh, Performing Arts Center had that unbelievable show for uh, the tribute to Mike DiStefano, and the cringe humor people and and the people who put that together need to be commended because it was one of the most unbelievable things, you know that that I ever, you know that I ever got to see. Um, Rich Voss hosted it. Robert Kelly was on it. Eugene Merman was on it. Bert Met, uh, Kurt Metzger was on it. Bonnie McFarlane and Colin Quinn closed it. And then at the end of that, they brought a screen down. Mike DiStefano's brother came out, said some nice words, looks just like him, talks just like him. It was kind of freaky. And then they bring this screen down, and it was just this tribute to him and all these unbelievably beautiful quotes he had and the, the realness and the honesty of this guy was just so amazing and, and, and incredible. And I brought tears to my brought tears to my eyes. I know that a lot of people in there were crying. I mean, I was just standing back there alone watching it. And um, he was just saying unbelievable things, you know, about... You know, be be lucid and relaxed and live life. You know, don't be rigid. Don't don't take this thing seriously. If you're gonna take little things seriously, you're not living. You know, this is a guy that was a heroin addict. This is a guy who's HIV positive. Um, this is a guy who's been through hell. This is a guy who lost so many loved ones, lost his wife, and the guy's just been through hell. And he just didn't. You know, he just didn't care you know, about things, you know, he, he the guy did Conan O'Brien, he was in the green room, he didn't give a shit, he was doing Conan O'Brien because of all the shit that he went through, and I just saw this video montage they made of him, and it was just unbelievable, and, um, and then the next night I ran into the city for the last night before Carnegie, and I did a popular room, a great room in the city called Cabin, I, I it was just unbelievable, it's a bar, it's like one of the most popular rooms in, in New York City, the, this back room of a bar called Cabin, and it was great, and then after that was the New York Comedy Festival, Comedy Central, and Caroline's like party um, on the fourth floor of the Time Warner Center. And it was all these celebrity comedians. Everybody was there. It was crazy. You know, it was just like George Shapiro was there. 
So we kind of had to go in and stop in. And, you know, I was down there, so I wanted to make my rounds. Uh, Bill showed up, Bill Burr showed up, and DeRosa was there. And, you know, you're just standing there, and you got to do the smooth thing and the talking. And, you know, everybody at the network was there. And you see all kinds of comedians that you work with and that you know well or some that you don't. And, um, you know, I wanted to get out of there because I just wanted to show my face, say hello, and do the part of the business that you have to do. Um, and it was like I'm standing there with Bill and people are like, oh, my God, Carnegie Hall tomorrow is going to be great. And I remember Bill was like, yeah, well, you know, we just, you know, hope it goes well. And, you know, oh, and people come up to you, it's going to go well. It's Carnegie Hall. It's Carnegie Hall. And I was just like, it, it's not there yet. I almost felt like the Texas Rangers when they were one strike away from winning the World Series against the Cardinals this year. And I remember they were one strike away, two innings in a row, and I'm looking at the TV going, it's over. They're gonna, Texas is going to win. But then they showed the, the camera panned on the Texas Rangers dugout, and they all just had that serious look. And it made me realize, no, it's not over until it's over. And not that I thought anything other than what happened at Carnegie was going to happen, but until it happens, it needs to, you just can't talk about it. So that made me realize that's why, you know, in, in sporting events, until the last out, um, the last strike, the last second is off the clock, you know, you don't want to talk about it. And, and I totally get that now. Um, but, you know, people were just coming up and, oh, man, you, you're going to have a drink. And I'm like, no, man, I got Carnegie tomorrow. So I finally just leaned over to Bill and I go, listen, I got to get the fuck out of here. People are trying to hand me drinks and, you know, we got a big day tomorrow. So ended up talking for a little longer after that, doing some networking, and then I leave. And you're just thinking about the show. Um, came home and it was, uh, you know, hard to sleep because I'm just going over my set and I'm making sure my timing is right. And there was like a couple of different jokes that I, I didn't know were going to make the final cut of the of the Carnegie set. You know, this was something that, you know, I, this shit needed to be right. And even to the, the day, the morning of, I wake up and I'm, I'm kind of going through it. And it was just all these emotions are building up. And uh, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm just thinking about the whole process of the day. What's going to happen? We need to do this. We need to be to the, I need to be to the city. You know, the show's at 7.30. I need to be down there for the venue at 6.30. Um, really excited, you know, feeling, feeling good. You know, going to make the best of it. But it was just you could feel the magnitude of this shit. Seriously. Like you, it was, it was unreal. And my wife and I drive down, she's in the car with me. And I remember she started talking to me about something. She was like talking about some guy she interviewed at her job. And I was like doing like everything in my power to concentrate on what she was saying. And like, she kind of knew after a while, like, yeah, this is, this is like what he's doing right now. Like maybe I should, uh, shouldn't be talking about what I had for lunch <laughs> yesterday. Um, but we're driving down there and uh, driving to Carnegie. And I, I had to be there by like 6.30. The Comedy Central people wanted to, you know, like I said, show me around. Give me the, I was either going to do a sound check and just check out the venue. And we get there and there's just a ton of traffic. Veterans Day, um, you know, parade. Mind you, this is my birthday too, which I couldn't even really think about because I just wanted to, I was looking at this going to be a birthday, you know, celebration at night. Um, so we... We're driving down there, and like I'm a couple of blocks away from the venue, and there's just bumper to bumper traffic, and I felt bad. But I told my wife, I said, I gotta hop out right now. You gotta drive, and park, and meet me, and I'll have somebody let you in. That'll be all taken care of. But and she was like, No, you know, go ahead, go. But I kind of felt bad. I'm leaving my, you know, my pregnant wife, 
in the in the car to park but i mean she's only like three months pregnant i know that sounds funny that i'm justifying it but like i had to get out so i get out and i start walking over there um we talked on the phone i talked on the phone with the people there at carnegie i said hey i'm on my way i said i'm a block away i just you know the traffic they were like yeah no problem a bunch of people are having issues with traffic so i get down and um I first go to the front of the doors and there's all these people are filing in and there's scalpers outside and I was, you know, it was awesome. And then they were like, all right, <clears throat> come meet us on the side. So I guess, you know, they take the talent on the side. Um, and I went there and there was like this will call window and my manager, David Kimowitz, was there waiting. And, um, you know, so I said, we, we go inside and I said, listen, my wife's going to be coming anytime. Can you go? And my manager was like, I'll take care of it. I'll go down and get her. So we go up, they take me to my dressing room. We all had our own dressing rooms. And um, the the lady was walking away and I said, can you just show me the stage? I want to see the stage. So she goes, yeah, it's right downstairs. So you walk downstairs and me and my manager walk downstairs and the white, like it was like almost like a white wood or like a very light, light color wood. And you walk and you just see it and they open the doors and you walk down onto the stage. And I got to tell you folks, it was, I, I've opened for... Bill Burr in many beautiful theaters across the country. I've been in huge rooms myself, and I've seen unbelievable venues for stand-up in all the years I've been doing it. But nothing, absolutely nothing, took my breath away the way that Carnegie Hall did. It was seriously spectacular, magnificent, beautiful, breathtaking, stunning. All of those words, whichever one you liked the best, uh, you could pick it, and, and that's what it was. Um, it almost looked fake. It was just rounded. It had this gold trim with these beautiful red seats. You could feel that the acoustics were just perfect. And we're looking around, and my manager was just like, this is sick. And all of a sudden, I hear, Verzi, Verzi. And I look, and it was Burr and DeRosa and Burr's family. So we went, we talked to them, and then they took us three to take a picture in the middle of Carnegie when it was empty with all the lights on. And I'm just looking up at all these balconies are going up. It was. It looked like the Roman. It looked like the Colosseum in Rome. It was just unbelievable. And me and DeRosa looked at each other, and we kind of just had that wow. And Bill was just like, I know this is sick. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's like I guess they're about five minutes away from starting to seat the people, and uh, so we go back to our our dressing rooms, and I'm in my dressing room, and then my wife comes up. And uh, so it was me and my manager, my wife. We're sitting in my dressing room, and we're just waiting for the. Uh, you know, for, for stuff to go down, I'm just, you know, trying to process it, and I have all these emotions going on, and, um, you know, it was, it was unreal, it was just unreal, so then they come in, and they go, Bill would like you to, you know, if you want to go hang with Bill, and the last time we worked together at Town Hall, we all hung out, it's kind of cool when the comedians, even for a big show, you don't stay alone, you kind of hang together, so I go up into uh, Bill's dressing room, and it was just me, him, and DeRosa sitting in there, and uh, Bill was just, you know, awesome saying, he was joking around, he goes, you were the only two hacks I would want to do this with, and it was really nice, and we were just sitting there, and I remember I was really hungry, I didn't eat anything, and they, they really didn't go crazy with the spread of food, there was like a bowl of fruit, and I was just eating what I could eat just to have some energy, uh, just a couple of things, and we were talking, and, um, you know, Bill goes, man, we're all walking around thinking about this, like, we, you could tell, like, not like pacing like nervous wrecks, but just like we knew we knew what the fuck needed to be done, and this was a serious thing, and it was funny. Somebody said, it might have even been Bill, like, yeah, this one, uh, you don't want to fuck up. And uh, DeRosa was joking, like, yeah, this this is just, it was just nuts. And, and we were looking at each other like, oof, man. Uh, 
just a really cool feeling and it was just that like this is we gotta get this this is what it's all about this is the big stage um there's pictures all over the wall of these legends just legends and i'm not even talking about like beatles and george carlin stuff i'm talking about like f composers like the most famous musician like musical like composers in the world this is a landmark so and finally like five minutes before uh, I'm like, all right, man, I'm going to my dressing room. I'm going to get ready because, you know, I'm going up first. And um, there's a little backstory to this. Um, and I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get too too deep with this. But, um, you know, the you know me and my dad, my parents were divorced when I was five years old. And um, my dad and I had this weird relationship where we wouldn't see each other a lot. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of issues and, and a whole backstory to this. So, I don't, I don't you know, that I'm, this, this podcast is not about that. Um, this podcast, I just want to give you guys the detailed, behind the scene, backstage, you know, this is what the Verzi Effect podcast is about, giving it to you guys real and honest, off stage. Uh, that's why I wanted to do this show. Um, so, you know, I just, you know, my dad, make a long story short, my father's never seen me perform live. And, you know, we talk on the phone all the time. He supported from day one, told me I was in the right business and everything like that. And he's never seen me. And, and maybe part of that is my fault, you know, but... Um, just for whatever reason, my dad's never seen me live in a few hours, you know, as if I didn't need, as, as if I needed something else to think about a few hours before the show, my older brother called me up and he goes, you know, dad's going, right? Um, this is really heavy for me. This is a serious, you know, like I know everyone's going to be there and now my dad who hasn't seen me, you know, and you, you know, the first time you're seeing your son at Carnegie Hall and it was, you know, a special feeling to know he would be in there because 25 years ago. Me and my father were at a comedy show together, except I was in the balcony on his lap for Rodney Dangerfield in, in 1985 or 86. And now it's ironic that he's going to see me at Carnegie Hall, and it was just, the, the emotions were unbelievable. Everybody was there, and now it's five minutes to going on. And I'm, I'm in my dressing room, and my other manager, Chris Italia, shows up. So now it's Dave, Chris, me, and my wife, and I'm just kind of going back and forth, and I'm thinking. And I just said to myself... I said, you know what, man, I'm not making this moment too big for me. You know, and I started thinking about the Mike DiStefano tribute. And I started thinking about what he went through, you know, and all the things that, that, that this guy went through. And then, you know, after he got to tell his story in his one-man show and he really started to become one of the best comedians out there, you know, the guy dies of a massive heart attack and he lived his life, you know, he did everything that he wanted to do even though it was so short-lived. And I'm thinking of what he said when he said, be lucid, be relaxed, live, live in the moment. You know, the, you know, the, these people are worried about nothing. And and then I was thinking about this girl, Kim Branda, that I went to high school with, who's um, very sick with stage four cancer. And uh, she's got ovarian cancer and she's very sick. And I'm thinking to myself, this, this unbelievable calm came over me. And I said, fuck this, how dare I? How dare I not, not seize this moment and make the best of it and go out there and kill? This is what I do. This is where I should be. You know, Burr wanted me there. He wanted me to open. He believed in me. And I'm like, fuck this. I'm going out there and I'm going to do it. And like right before, I got really calm. And then they go out there. I go out down by the stage. You know, I tell everybody I'll see them soon. And I go out down by the stage. And they were like, all right, you know, we're going to go in two minutes. And I'm just the people are just filing in. And there's this big metal door. And as soon as that door opens, you're on the stage. And there's all those people in this beautiful, beautiful room. <laughs> And I'm just sitting there, like, man, this is this is living right now, man. This is it. And 
you know, they were like, all right. They were like, you know, ladies and gentlemen, the New York Comedy Festival presents, you know, Bill Burr. The place starts going nuts. And they were like, uh, they were like, put your hands together. They were like, you seen him on Fox, uh, Spike TV. And then, and then I remember it just got really, like, quiet. And they were like, you know, he wrote for the 2011 SB Awards. Put your hands together for Paul Verzi, right? And the door opens. And it was just this fucking just sea, like, this roar. And I hear people out there, Paulie, this or that. And like you just feel the, you could feel the, the love and the people knew about the moment. And I just grabbed the microphone and uh, I'll tell you guys what I first said. Uh, the first couple things I said on stage. Um, I grabbed the microphone and I looked around and I said, you know, what's up New York? And the place is going berserk. And then I said, uh, you know, I said, I want to say six words that I've been waiting to say from the moment I got the phone call several months ago that I was doing this show and I just paused for a second and I said Bill Burr at Carnegie fucking hall and the place it just totally loosened everybody up and then I said you know this is a big night for me as well I said I got friends family here my wife is here I said and today happens to be my birthday and they start clapping and I go folks if I don't get laid tonight I am serving my wife divorce papers and it was like the first joke and boom, icebreaker. And then I went into it. And I'm not going to lie. I would sit here and tell you guys everything that I'm, you know, honest. Um, if I didn't do well, I fucking absolutely destroyed for 10 minutes. And what I was most proud of was everything was real. And it was just a perfect lineup set. And it was everything that I needed to have happen. And it was just an absolute fucking dream. Um, it was so incredible to look out at that crowd to look at that venue, to see the balcony filled, having the attention of almost 3,000 people, and, and just, you know, it was just unbelievable. And, and the crazy thing about this was, you know, everybody would say to me, like, uh, man, it's Carnegie Hall. And I'd be like, yeah, but you know what? It's, it's the same room. It's a room. A room is a room. And not that I was disrespecting Carnegie Hall, but I was like, it's a comedy show. You know, give me a microphone, I'm going to do my jokes. Almost a mentality of, um, I don't know if you guys saw the movie Hoosiers, but Gene Hackman was like, um, when his small town team got to the state championship and they walk into the arena, all their eyes are looking at the stands, how big it is. And he brought a tape measure with them, or whatever he brought, and he said, the lines don't change, it's the same distance. The hoop is still 10 feet. You still shoot the same shot. And that's what I was trying to think. But I got to tell you, and I told everybody this that night, there was a moment on that stage where you just look up and you just feel the presence of Carnegie Hall. You feel the history. Like I felt the Beatles on stage. Like I even made a joke. I did a joke that crushed. And uh, and then I go, uh, take that Beatles. And the place loved it. It was just so unbelievable. But I actually stopped the show for a second. I said, this room is unbelievable. And the crowd loved it. Like I just wanted to take in the moment. And, and it was, everything was just so... It was just such such an unbelievable feeling, and I remember when I got off stage, um, you know, I brought I brought Joe DeRosa up, and I just I got off stage, and Joe went on, and right when I walked out, and this was probably the most important thing for me. This is this means the most to me, is um, I got out, and the people at Carnegie Hall and Comedy Central they were all clapping outside when I walked out, like in front of the monitors that that are like backstage. And then I saw, uh, you know, Bill Burr, and he's just sitting there, and he's just like, 
you know, what means the most to me is he was just shaking his head and he goes, dude, you killed. And I just looked at him with this excitement, you know, like I was talking to, you know, like my older brother, I was just so, you know, you know, was just so excited. And I looked at him and I said, I just gave them all of my real stuff. And uh, he said, I loved it. And when he said I loved it and he was, I was just like, man, I was just like, I can't believe what just happened, you know. And then DeRosa goes up there and uh, he does a great job, killed 15 minutes, just a great set. And um, it was awesome. And then he comes off and, you know, you could just see in his face how he felt. And then uh, I went back on stage. And I brought Bill on stage, and and guys, I'm not kidding. I'm not saying this because he's my friend. I'm not saying this because I was on the show. The best hour of stand-up maybe ever. It was he fucking annihilated for over an hour and ten minutes. Just boom. But we're backstage listening, and it was eruption after eruption. I'm thinking, can you maintain this for an hour? Like, it wasn't like laughs and chuckles. It was just explosions. It was unbelievable funny he was on his game it was just a masterpiece and um and it you know just listening and then finally when it was all over and his set was over you know he got out he gets a standing ovation and he goes uh he goes um how about you know another round of applause for my two best friends in the business paul verzi and they open the door and i go out and the place goes nuts and then Joe DeRosa, and Joe didn't know. So Joe was like in the waiting room looking at the other monitor. So he had to like run out. So he was like delayed. And he comes staggering out. It looked like he was going to slip. It looked really fucking awkward. It was funny. And we're laughing. And then he comes out, and the place is going nuts. And we're just all standing there. And we're just taking in the moment. And we're just looking, um, you know, we're just looking up. And the place is going berserk. And I don't even know. I, I got to tell you guys, it was a feeling that... Um, I wish everybody in the world can have that feeling one time. It was like, I know what it must feel like to win the Super Bowl or to have that. It was um, just so special. And I can't thank, um, you know, I can't thank my dear friend Bill Burr enough, who guy's my best friend, and he's been great to me and my family. He believed in me enough, and, and um, you know, I knocked it out of the park. I, I, I really did. That's all that I could say about it. I'm not trying to be an arrogant dick. You guys listen to this show know that that's not me. But um, it was it was really special. My instincts and everything took over, and, and everything that I needed to have happen happened. And I worked really hard. I was running to New York City every night, either getting on stage or going to shows, getting prepared for it. I was meticulous. I was tireless with it, and I just fucking went for it, man. And everything came together on that legendary stage. And uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And then we all walked off stage together. And I just looked at Bill and he walked off and I just said, you, you should fucking retire. And, uh, you know, we just thanked him. And we all kind of just like, you know, we had that great moment together. And it was just a really, really special, incredible, um, incredible, you know, night. There was comedians that I respect in the crowd. There was just so many people uh, there that... I can't, you know, it was just, it was fucking, you know, I know I use the word epic a lot, but I think I'm going to have to back off of that and start using great because that night was epic. And, you know, the lights came on and you just see people filing out. And you realize what you just did in one of the most famous rooms in, in not only in New York, in the world, like as a landmark. And we were, uh, you know, so, so we're going to take, you know, obviously we're going to have an after party. So we went on the top of the Dream Hotel. And there's a roof up there, but it was kind of cold. But there's these bars up on the top, and the, there's these glass windows, and it just overlooks Times Square. And we had a little place, like, section, sectioned off for us. 
And, um, you know, I remember being outside and people were coming up to me and saying, you know, how much they liked my set. And, um, you know, my, my friends and, you know, family were coming up to me. And, you know, I didn't see my dad and I knew he was there. And I remember just saying, like, you know, because it meant the world for my, my wife to be there and my family. But, like, knowing that, like, the relationship I have with my dad. My dad's been supportive. He's never seen me. And I was looking around for him. And finally, like, it was weird. It was almost like in the movies where, like, everyone's coming up to you. But you just wanted to, like, I just, like, it went so great that I'm like, you know, my dad, I don't give a fuck whatever happened with me and my dad. Like, if my dad wasn't here tonight, it would definitely be a, a big void and it would bother me. And I remember looking over to the right and in the distance I saw my dad. Uh, you know, he's easy to spot with his leather jacket and his just Italian look. Uh, <laughs> so I saw him and I just walked up to him and I, he was on his cell phone trying to call my brother or me to find out what was going on afterwards because, you know, he wanted to hang out for my birthday. And then, like, we kind of, like, caught eyes and, uh, you know, he just smiled and I walked up to him and, you know, he just said, great, great job. I could see the total, the, the thrill and proudness in his face and we hugged. It was, it was great. It was, uh, it was unbelievable, you know, uh, his wife, uh, Renee came and it was just, um, it was great. So everybody headed to the hotel, you know, my mom, my stepdad, my dad, um, there's everybody, you know, my, my siblings were there, um, Bill's family was there, you know, DeRosa came and, and we were all, my managers were there and we're all upstairs and, you know, people are starting to get drinks and, you know, just, I'm just, I just, it was so unbelievably surreal for me that I was like, man, this couldn't have just happened this good. Like, like, I don't like something, like, I'm going to fall and crack my head open on this end table right now. Like something's going to, you know, like there, there's no way. And, and it was, it was awesome. And, um, you know, I don't want to get into details or say names and, you know, there's definitely certain things I want, I have to leave out of this, um, for obvious reasons, cause I'm not an idiot and I don't want to ever, you know, talk about, you know, just say something stupid, but the, um, the people were just uh, getting drinks and everybody's excited. And then a big executive from a network had come up to me and, and said something really nice. And, and, you know, some big agents were there and they said some really nice things, which, you know, uh, it was just, it was like unbelievable. I just felt like it was a game changer and I felt it and I knew, I knew that moment. I knew that I had done something great and, and the feeling that I had when I was on stage looking around, there was a moment in that room where I said, my life, I don't, whatever happens, this moment that I have right now, fuck it, man. I'm taking this shit. This is something that I will always have. I will tell my grandkids about um, and it was just a spectacular moment in my life and uh, I... You know, guys, I'll be honest with you, uh, for this version, this podcast, episode 39, the Carnegie Hall edition, uh, I I didn't even write down any, any notes for this. I just opened the computer and I'm talking to you guys because, um, they, I, I, you know, I figured the words would just come out and I hope they have and I hope you're enjoying this as much as I'm enjoying telling you. Um, you know, I just wanted to give my fans who haven't heard or, you know, heard it went well, but didn't, you know, didn't have the details on, on what happened that night. But um, it was great. And then another unbelievable thing, um, Bill Burr and his, his wonderful girlfriend, Nia, um, I guess they, they, we were up, up at the after party and everybody's there. And the plan was to distract me because it was my birthday. So they were like, Paul, you know, so like Bill's sister, someone's like, oh, so my mom wants to talk to you. My mom wants to meet you. And the weird thing is now that I think back, I already had met the person that they wanted me to talk to, 
but they kind of drag me and then all of a sudden I, I see turn around and they tell me to turn around and um, they, they come out with this cake and <laughs> it was just great and, and the cake said you know happy birthday Verzi and then on the bottom it said drive stunk because I talked so much shit about the movie Drive and Burr poked a lot of holes in it so did DeRosa so I called them cunts for not liking a movie and just going with it. Like, why do you got to shit on it? And they're like, you know, so we had this argument for a while. So the birthday cake on the bottom said, uh, drive stunk. And it was really funny. It was such a thoughtful gesture by them. Uh, everybody up there, man, industry, executives, you know, managers. It was insane. Just all singing for my birthday. And I had no idea. I didn't expect it. You know, overlooking Times Square. Um, all of our families talking, and uh, it was just a beautiful, beautiful night. Uh, one that I would say, I don't know if it's going to happen again for a long, long time. That's why my voice is like this. Uh, excuse me. I apologize. But definitely a moment where you can say things changed and and uh, money doesn't mean shit. It wasn't like that show let me know. That show was priceless. You know, from top to bottom, and, and what was really incredible was after it was all over, the feedback on Twitter and Facebook and everybody saying that it was one of the best shows, if not the best show in New York for the festival, um, All the, it was just, just an incredible night, and um, I want to thank everybody. If you were at the show, thank you so much. Um, you saw how beautiful and amazing that room was, and, and to perform in front of you in that room was, was my pleasure, and it was a thrill and an honor. Uh... You know, to, to have my entire family there, including my father. You know, I think it's pretty cool to say the first time you ever saw your son perform was at, was at Carnegie Hall. And, uh, you know, the last time we were together at a comedy show, I was, like, falling asleep on his lap in the balcony at Radio City in the mid-'80s watching Rodney Dangerfield, and now he's on a balcony there watching me. So that was unbelievable. My, you know, my mother, uh, almost losing my mother to cancer, stage four cancer really bad um you know and then due to medicine and uh a, a drug that's been keeping her alive now for 13 years um you know the dana farber institute uh you know my mother got to see that and so i, I want to thank my i mean words i told bill this you know words can't describe what he's done for me um you know you know believing in me and it was what was really cool for me was to deliver the way I delivered after the dude believed in me enough to do it um, and it was so funny because even in our big celebration in upstate you know he was he was hilarious where he just leaned over and he goes see Paul he goes A-Rod bombs tonight that's the type of guy, guy A-Rod is he bombs tonight it's so perfect and appropriate but um I know DeRosa feels the same way. There's not even enough words. I told Bill, you know, I just doing that for me and my family, um, you know, just really emotional and, and, you know, just unbelievable. And I can't thank him enough. I love him. And, uh, you know, his, his family is great. And it was just an overall incredible night. And that was, that was my Carnegie Hall experience. You know, uh, it started off a little stressful, a little bit of traffic, and <laughs> my wife having to park by herself, and I definitely could have done without that, but the whole night was just an absolute dream. It was a dream. And uh, thanks to my managers, David Kimowitz, Chris Italia, Paul Italia, um, it just for, you know, being there with me and, and, you know, just for the whole way. And 
you know, I remember just getting off stage, and after I, I talked to Bill and, and saw the people thing, I just ran up to my thing, I hugged my managers, my wife came from the waiting room where she was watching on the monitor, you know, I hugged and kissed her, and, um, you know, so I could say that I, I that, that stage is something that I, everybody, and I mean this, everybody, if you go to New York, if there's ever a chance you get to, like, do what you can to sneak into Carnegie Hall or lie to people just so you can poke your head in and see. Because I know you can, like, you know, Google image and all that shit and see it, but it doesn't do it justice. It looks so beautiful inside when it's empty. It almost looks fake. I said to, to DeRosa and Bill before I go, whoever created this place never thought that I would be saying what I'm about to say in it. You know, because I was talking about some dark shit, some real shit, some honest stuff in there. But it, it looked like this fake... It was just unbelievable, man. It was, it was just fucking surreal. And um, it was the night of my life. And um, it was just, you know, it was awesome. And Bill Burr's new hour is just an absolute must if you're a comedy fan. It's crushing. It was his night. He delivered so huge. And to be a part of it was just fantastic. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing this podcast now because I'm going to be in Vegas. Here's, here's how fucking tired I'm going to be, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm so tired right now. I got to go to a 710 spot in New York tonight, get on stage for an audition. Uh, and then I'm running out to see the Patriots-Jets game because I got an extra ticket for that. Then I got to come home and then I got to... Six hours, five hours later, get a car service to JFK because I'm flying to Las Vegas because I'm going to be performing at Brad Garrett's Comedy Club out in Las Vegas from um, Monday tomorrow to Sunday. So I come back on the 21st. So the Verzi Effect podcast show is going to be back to Wednesday, November 23rd. So I had a quick turnaround from um, the episode 38 with Pete Davidson. I hope you guys really enjoyed that. Pete's a great kid, funny up-and-coming comic. He's going to be a monster. Please keep downloading that one. Um, so obviously, instead of doing one Wednesday, this uh, 39 Carnegie edition will be this week's, and then I'll be back Wednesday, November the 23rd. Um, so I hope you really enjoyed this. I hope I didn't ramble too long about it, but I wanted to give you guys as much... I mean, I, can't, I didn't give everything because there were certain things I want to keep, but... Um, I gave you like 98.5% of, of the night and of the, of the show. Um, and it was so great to do my most original and realist and, you know, you, I guess you could say realist and most personal stuff in front of, in front of those people and, and get, have gotten the response that it got. Um, so, so thank you all again. Thank you for my supporters. Um, and that's it until... Until the next Verzi Effect podcast, which will be episode 40 on November 23rd. Thank you. Um, holler at your boy. And uh, I'll be talking to you guys real soon. All right? Peace.